The views expressed by speakers are their own and may not necessarily represent the views of the IMS. Hello, I'm Dr. Marla Shapiro, and I have the pleasure of being on the Board of Trustees of the International Menopause Society. And today, we're talking about a very important topic that often women don't talk about. Um, they're often reluctant to talk about whatever is happening below the waist. So today, we are joined by Dr. Jan Schifrin from Harvard, um, who's going to talk to us about the health of the vagina and something we call genitourinary, it's hard to say, GSM, genitourinary syndrome of menopause. It's a mouthful. Jan, firstly, introduce yourself to um, our audience who's listening today. Terrific. So I'm Dr. Jan Schifrin. I am the uh, Vincent Trustees Professor of Obstetrics, Gynecology, and Reproductive Biology at Harvard Medical School. And I'm a gynecologist at the Massachusetts General Hospital, where I direct our Midlife Women's Health Center. So for years, we talked about VVA, which I don't think anybody appreciated the term vulvovaginal atrophy. Nobody really wants to be told they're atrophic. And we've moved it into this direction of GSM, genitourinary syndrome menopause, got it right this time. But tell us why, why we have moved away from the emphasis on VVA and more in an emphasis on GSM. It really is an important change, Marla. And that's because, you know, when you hear vulvovaginal atrophy, you think dryness of the vagina and vulva, that that's all that's going on. Mm -hmm. It's important to realize that the entire female genital urinary tract will respond to the estrogen deficiency of menopause. And so that can involve the vulva and vagina, but also the urethra and bladder. And it's not just dryness. There are sexual symptoms of kind of dryness, lack of lubrication and pain. There are genital symptoms of pain and dryness and burning and irritation. And there are also urinary symptoms. Sometimes women get recurrent or frequent urinary tract infections at this time of life because of estrogen deficiency of the GU tract. Um, so VVA is a part of GSM, but it's a much more global syndrome. Uh, important also for women to realize that they don't have to have all of the symptoms. Um, they don't have to have this, all the sexual symptoms and the general urinary symptoms and the bladder symptoms, they may just have one or two symptoms and they still can have the syndrome. Uh, and also important, the symptoms have to be bothersome. If someone has some dryness of the vagina, it's not really bothering them, then they actually may not need treatment. And so we don't want to give them uh, the syndrome diagnosis. But if the symptoms are bothersome, really, we want to be there to help. So a few pet peeves of mine that you're going to help me address. One is the bias towards women who are sexually active and often ignoring women who are not sexually active and somehow thinking that they don't have troublesome symptoms. The great point, Marla. GSM can affect women whether they are sexually active or not. Uh, and it's really important to realize that it can affect activities of daily life. I've had women tell me that they have to carry their own toilet paper every time they go out because mm -hmm. if it's rough, it's going to be painful. I have women who say they stopped horseback riding or doing the Peloton. So uh, we want women to realize that GSM can affect their daily life symptoms as well, um, and they deserve treatment too. The principal bother is associated with sexual activity because often that then bothers a partner as well. Uh, but it's important to realize that all women deserve treatment for GSM. So another pet peeve that I want you to help dispel. For many women, they're aware of hot flashes and night sweats, and it will happen sometimes before they lose their periods 
early into the one year when they really are now menopausal or a couple of years into menopause, but that will drive them in the symptomatology. GSM often happens later. And women think they're done menopause, which they're not done menopause when the hot flashes get better. And they don't associate this as being related to menopause and estrogen deficiency. And sometimes we'll think, oh, this, this is part of aging. There's nothing I can do about this. Let's take a, let's tackle that one. Excellent point, Marla. So again, uh, hot flashes get better with time, but the GSM gets worse. Dryness, pain will just get worse with prolonged estrogen deficiency. So once you're menopausal, you're always menopausal. That estrogen won't be coming back. And so it is really important that women um, feel empowered to speak with their clinicians, discuss their symptoms, and realize that there are really effective treatments available. This is not, although it's an incredibly common part of aging and estrogen deficiency over time, it is not a normal part of aging, meaning bothersome dryness and pain with activities of daily life or sexuality should be treated and accepted. Excellent. Okay, so then we have a group of women who have been very nervous about using estrogen in any form. And that's one of the mainstays of therapy, local therapy. So let's tackle the difference between using a local therapy for a local problem like GSM versus, you know, headline news is that persisted and the type of information that comes with the insert. How do we reassure women and explain the difference between what we use for hot flashes versus what we may add on for this or use alone for this? One point, it's so important to realize that there are really two major forms of estrogen. There are higher doses that raise blood levels back to kind of where women were when they were when they were cycling normally you know in their 20s and 30s and 40s so those are called systemic that's called systemic estrogen therapy and that's what we need to treat hot flashes but when the hot flashes are gone we no longer need to raise blood levels back to where they were when women were younger all we need are essentially what we call microdoses very very low doses of estrogen um, placed directly in the vagina. So really two big buckets to think about estrogen therapy. Systemic raises blood levels, treats hot flashes, really effective, but has some systemic risks. Low dose vaginal estrogen therapy is the other bucket. Very low doses don't raise blood levels and are terrific for local symptoms like dryness and pain. Unfortunately, at least in the United States, and this may be different in other countries, our government has exactly the same black box warning on low-dose vaginal estrogen therapy as it right. does on systemic estrogen therapy. But it doesn't make sense. There is absolutely no way that a microdose of estrogen that doesn't raise blood levels is going to cause breast cancer, heart disease, stroke, or leg clots. So uh, this is, I really want my women, my patients to be informed about their medications, but this is actually the only time when I tell women not to look at the package insert, because I do think it's unnecessarily right. frightening. And if it, you know, and we actually went to the FDA and asked them to try to change it, but they're like, well, it's estrogen. And, and that, that wasn't the response we were hoping for. Yeah, it's the same in Canada and many places as well. And that black box warning in the package insert, it's one of the first things I say, take it and throw it out because it doesn't <laughs> apply to you. So let's, let's now talk about that. also, we, we encourage women that if they're having hot flashes and night sweats, 
they need to start their therapy within the first menopause. This is different with local therapy. So is there, you know, a too late to start date? Is there a must end date? How do we address this? Great question. It is never too late to start and you don't need to end. So for women who choose to use low-dose vaginal estrogen therapy, they should start it when the symptoms are bothersome. Uh, sometimes they really get bothersome early in the menopause transition. But for most women, it's a few years after, you know, after menopause, often when the hot flashes have gone away. And so at that point, you may not even be seeing, let's say, your gynecologist regularly, your internist or regular clinician may not ask, or your gynecologist may not ask because they think, ah, you're done with hot flashes, you're kind of beyond the symptoms. So just because your clinician doesn't ask doesn't mean that you shouldn't right. support those symptoms. And so it's just really important to be your own best advocate. Uh, we should also note that, you know, you can start over the counter. There are some terrific products. They're called lubricants and moisturizers that are not that expensive, don't need a prescription. And a lot of my patients typically start with these. You know, they can just be part purchased at your, you know, local uh, Whole Foods or, you know, CVS, Walgreens, your local drugstore. And so there's two major categories. Lubricants are designed to be used with penetrative sexual activity and they reduce friction and can really increase comfort. Um, just a reminder there, don't use anything that says colored, scented, perfumed, zesty. Right. Try to use things that are going to be really hypoallergenic as natural as possible. There's a whole other group of products, though, called vaginal moisturizers which just like moisturizing your hands or face should really be used on a regular basis, you know, two or three times a week. Uh, and they just kind of go into the vagina. I often tell women to use them in the morning so that they kind of spread around the vagina as you're walking around and they just help the vagina retain moisture. So a lot of women will be using both moisturizers on a regular basis and lubricants for penetrative sexual activity. But when those products are no longer enough, really important to speak to your clinician and um, talk about pharmacologic or prescription treatments. So if you've mentioned there are a lot of different low-dose vaginal estrogens, we've got gels, we've got creams, we've got little tablets, we've got inserts, we've got rings. What else is, and, and that you can individualize with your clinician, but what else is there other than the local estrogen? Have we moved beyond into new therapeutic options, let's say? There is another local hormone called DHEA, which is government approved and very similar to low-dose vaginal estrogen. Uh, minimally absorbed, doesn't raise hormone blood levels significantly at all. And that's another product one can consider. And there's also an oral pill that you could take every single day. It's called a selective estrogen receptor modulator. You know, most of my patients choose not to take a systemic medication for a local problem, but it's definitely available and some, you know, important to discuss that as well with your clinician, if that's what you're interested in doing. Uh, a lot of women may have heard a little bit about things like um, laser therapy. And in general, we pretty much discourage that. It's very expensive. And the best studies we have show that if you turn the laser on and just let it buzz, but not laser versus if you let it laser, that's called a placebo or sham control trial. Both work just as well. So, uh, you know, there are some studies that laser is really effective, but when you actually 
don't tell women whether they're using real laser or sham laser. The sham laser works pretty much just as well. So given that there are risks and it's very costly, I typically discourage women from using a laser treatment. Oh, one other treatment though that can be really effective is something called pelvic physical therapy. And a lot of, you know, a lot of, a lot of us go to our physical therapists for our backs and our shoulders and our knees. And we don't realize that they're also really effective and helpful for problems with the pelvic floor, including painful sex. Before I let you go, our group of women who have breast cancer often feel that nobody talks to them about this, that if you've had an estrogen dependent breast cancer um, or any type of estrogen dependent tumor, estrogen is just a word that should never be in your vocabulary again. Yet these women suffer and sometimes suffer much more than the average woman going through menopause and living life in menopause. A word about them. Well, I'm so glad you brought up our breast cancer survivors. Uh, GSM is incredibly common in women with a history of breast cancer. Often they've gone through menopause early. Um, often they've gone through surgical menopause. Often they're taking medications um, called aromatase inhibitors that actually lower their estrogen levels even lower than the low levels we see in menopause. So our patients with breast cancer, with history of breast cancer, really deserve attention for this problem. Uh, typically, we do still start with moisturizers on a regular basis in the vagina, lubricants for penetrative sexual activity, pelvic physical therapy. And for some patients, that can really be helpful and do the trick. But for a lot of my patients with breast cancer, they need more. And so I check them with their oncologist and the majority of oncologists realize how important, um, you know, a healthy sex life is to recovery and to quality of life and will approve the use of very low doses of estrogen in the vagina. And often I found for some of my patients, they just use them three or six months, they kind of get their sex life back on track. And then often they don't need them or don't need them uh, as frequently as they did before. Mm -hmm. The really good news about the low dose vaginal estrogen therapy products is that they don't raise blood levels. So there are really no data and no reason to think they're going to increase the risk of recurrent breast cancer. So check with your oncologist, but these may really be good options for you. So I think for women listening today, I think one of the biggest messages I'm getting is you sometimes need to be your own advocate because these symptoms may happen further in the menopausal years when your hot flashes and night sweats may even be over, don't ignore these symptoms bring it up, talk about it, lots of safe and effective treatment, all those headline news that you saw on concerns about systemic or hot flashes is not the same. Those two buckets that you spent such an eloquent time explaining. So be your advocate, talk about it, get information. And certainly there's a lot of treatment options out there for you. Absolutely, Marla. That is the most important take home point. I agree. Well, thank you so much for being with us today. Thanks so much, Marlon.